This show is brought to you by listeners and viewers like you. EvanX.com Tesla Accessories, our TeslaOwnersOnline.com community, and our Patreon supporters at Patreon.com slash TeslaOwnersOnline. I mean, Netflix, man. The shows that Netflix are coming out with. Unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, why would you go All to the movies them. anymore? They're so good. Between Amazon, Netflix, Apple, I mean... Uh... Well, uh, I'm not going to the movies now. <laughs> I'm just, I don't know who wants to, but I wouldn't go now. I'm actually really disappointed. I was really looking forward to seeing the new Dune movie, the Denis Villeneuve. Mm-hmm. It's been delayed a year. Oh, that just totally bummed me out. Well, I understand. A lot of movies are being delayed. I know yeah. um, uh, uh, No Time to Die, the, the new Bond film, yeah. uh, that's been delayed. Uh, Black Widow from Marvel, that's been delayed. Uh, and and what's interesting, oh, too, is that with the Marvel, right, but with a lot of these films, if there is, like in the Marvel universe, there is a sequence of films that come next. So when you delay the first, it just has a, a trailing effect yeah. down the line so that a lot of films now, it's, I mean, it's good that some studios are back into production mode. Um, but yeah, a lot of, a lot of studios. Well, I understand why they're delay. delaying them because, you know, the movie theaters have got a lot of money invested in these, in these films. It costs a lot of money to make them. And if they don't get the viewers and they don't make their money back, man, that's just, it's game over. Well, it's, it's tough for theaters, especially for, um, for oh, their yeah. staff. But, um, I mean, Regal Cinemas, one of the large, I think it's the second largest behind AMC. Uh, they're maintaining their closed doors. They're not reopening anytime at all. They have an, basically an indeterminate closure. Um, but a lot of studios now, uh, like Disney, are releasing films on their paid platforms. And you get, like Milan, when that was debuting on Disney+, Plus, you could pay a fee. I forgot what the amount was, but you could, I think it was like $25 or something like that. So you can stream Milan at home. Happy birthday <laughs> to you. Holy cow. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to Happy birthday to you. Oh, thank you so much. Sorry that is you a can't mess. Have any, Sorry, you're not here. It's Eric's birthday count. today. We wanted to wish him a happy 43rd birthday. 43, yeah. yeah. Close your eyes. At least make it gluten free in his honor. One, two, close your eyes. Close your eyes. Blow. One, two, three, make a wish. There you go. Amazing. That audio is going to sound great over the uh, podcast. <laughs> Well, we are recording it. It'll go out. Yeah. Chocolate ganache cake. Oh, it sounds delicious. It Sorry, sounds it's not delicious. gluten-free, but you're <laughs> no, you know here, what? It's, so I guess it doesn't it's totally really fine. matter. It's not going to, there's nothing, there's no harm going to come afoul because of... Uh, send um, you a virtual okay. piece. Okay, virtual piece. <laughs> I'm going to get the real one, though. <laughs> Just one? Yeah. Well, yeah, it's, it's true. Best, 40, actually, it's years of age now. Oh, well, we're all the, getting older. We're not getting any younger. I was telling my girlfriend yesterday, I'm going to go to sleep tonight and wake up tomorrow a year older, but look all the more younger. Yeah. <laughs> so. Emmy's birthday is in, uh, Bev's birthday is on, on the weekend. It's actually on Sunday. So, mm-hmm. yeah, lots of fun. Well, <laughs> well, welcome everybody to the show. We always have a little bit of light banter. We thought we'd throw it into the show because it's always fun to discuss. I know we haven't done a show in a little bit. We have mm-hmm. lots to talk about, so we thought we'd sit down tonight and uh, go through some Tesla news. Actually, um, before we get into that, um, Ian, we have a bit of a thing to talk about. Uh, tell us a little bit about Tesla. Um, yeah, Tess, the, the Tess calendar actually is Tess what calendar. we wanted to yeah, Tess, Tess letter is the guys that do the wonderful newsletter. So we'll yes. give them a plug too. Who's, who's sure. aging here? <laughs> oh boy. What's that, Sonny? Oh, get off my lawn. 
Yeah. So Test Calendar is a really cool project um, whereby they've put together a calendar which has all sorts of cool events in Tesla history. You know, so on X day, it's the 10th anniversary of such and such a thing. You know, back in 2009, the first roadster appeared, this sort of thing. It's got all sorts of cool factoids, beautiful photography of all your favorite Tesla models on it. And each month uh, features a sponsor. Uh, and I think almost all of them have some sort of a code that'll get you discount on their goodies. And this year, I am sponsoring one of the months. Hey. So if you want to get yourself some Evolveware, if you get yourself a test calendar, you will um, be entitled to a discount off of all of the goods in the Mad Hungarian Evolveware store. And best of all, it goes to uh, the profits generated go to a good cause. It's, Rails um, to Trails Conservancy. Thank you. Exactly. Which is a cool project whereby they're converting uh, all of these disused rail lines all over the U.S. into hiking and biking trails. Awesome. Um, yeah. So, uh, Trevor, if you could put a link for both those things, Absolutely. where to order the calendar in the show notes and as well, uh, a little thing on the Conservancy. You can read up on that. But, yeah, I, I think it's a really fun project. It's a cool item. And, um, yeah, you get some some bonus discounts on some of the items, your favorite Tesla items. Um, along with it. So, you know, what's not to love? Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, so uh, as Ian said, I'll put a link in the show in the video notes. So if you guys want to check that out, definitely uh, go and uh, get some calendars. I've I've uh, I've had one in the past. Beautiful photography. So mm -hmm. looking forward to that. Um, as more cars come out, we're going to see some other stuff in there too. So, you know, we'll be looking forward to see some Cybertruck and some Roadster in the next couple of years. That'll look pretty cool. Well, having said that, we have some Tesla news to get into. Uh, tonight's, tonight's first story, uh, let's just dive right in, what the heck, right? Um, comes from a Business Insider. don't normally link to these guys, but it was a neat article. Um, they're basically saying the first Tesla in New York City just hit the streets as the uh, taxi. So the New York, uh, New York City ta uh, taxi company here, um, the cab is operated by a company called Drive Sally. They completed more than 100 trips on the first weekend of service. Um, but instead of running the taxi 24 hours a day like they do other cars, the, uh, they run it um, in a shift um, so they can charge it overnight. And this is kind of interesting. One of the first problems the drivers reported was that passengers had trouble getting in and out of the vehicle because of the door handles. Go figure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's always been a, a, a bit of a problem. I mean, I think that's the Model 3 is probably its, its weak point when it comes. I mean, as an owner, we understand how the cars work. It's all fine, but not a time goes through, you know, when I take somebody for a car drive and uh, they get a little weirded out by the door handles. I think, uh, you know, uh, not the first time we've seen that. Anyways, uh, going on to say that the uh, Model 3 uh, has medallion number 8P86. It's the only electric ta taxi cab in the city, according to public records. And uh, let's see here. What else did they say? Oh, yeah, there was something else down here I thought was kind of interesting. Um, they were going on to say that one of the drivers, uh, they're, actually, they're going to add more of these cars in the future because it seems to be working quite well. This was interesting right at the end of the article. It says one of the drivers couldn't handle the stress and brought the car back after depleting only 50 miles at the 220-mile range. <laughs> yeah, 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 somebody couldn't handle it. And another had no problem draining it down to five miles of range. Um, he bets that it, yeah, so he bets on the long run, the taxi and rideshare drivers will be willing to pay an extra bit for the car that doesn't need to be fueled up, given that gas is one of the driver's expenses. Now, mm -hmm. I had a quick look at um, supercharge.info, great website, just to see what kind of superchargers are in Manhattan. I count four of them. Actually, there's a fifth one. 
uh, on Mott Street, and it says it's only accessible to monthly permit holders. Anyways, all of the superchargers on Manhattan Island are, are the urban 72-kilowatt ones, and they're spread out geographically quite far. So, you know, for supercharging, it's not the best place. Um, you know, Manhattan's pretty dense. So, um, yeah, it makes sense for right now. I think once they add more cars... Um, I think it'll be better because then they can just keep switching them and, and just rolling them over and stuff. But anyways, mm-hmm. congratulations. I think this is great. I would love uh, to get around in Manhattan in a, in a yellow taxi Model 3. That's awesome. I wouldn't say add some cars like the Model Y, maybe some other cars would be really quite nice. Hmm. I think more municipalities need to do this electric taxi thing. Let's that, face it. That the police cars, which is, is cool. We're starting to see yeah. a couple more cities in the U.S. Yeah, the, um, um, as, as yeah, the uh, police department and one of the, what's that town in Illinois? I think it's Illinois. They were running it. Anyways, it's been a really good success. So, yeah. I mean, it, it also, it does a couple of things. One, which is it lessens the air pollution because mm-hmm. you're getting a lot of the carbon monoxide uh, off the, out of the air, but also it's less noise pollution, which, mm-hmm. d- you know, dense cities tend to have. So if you have quieter cars and, you know, then you have, you know, hopefully People can hear each other more in the streets and, you know, you can really get that New York City feel of some guy going, hey, what are you doing over there? Hey, Vinny. <laughs> I'm walking here. <laughs> I think the you my biggest me? memories of going to New York is just the sheer amount of sirens that are going on all the time at every yeah. hour of the day. That yeah. just, that's a bit much. I mean, we had that's a five alarm fire here the other day. I don't know. Some car was over here yeah, on fire or something like that. Lots of, lots of fire trucks going by. Anyways. Um, I'm pushing my ma- my mayor here in town, very progressive, nice guy, um, trying to get him to, to do some stuff with electric vehicles as far as the city fleet is concerned. Sometimes you got to be careful though because of the optics of that, you know, with the public, they always think that these are $100,000 cars. No, they're not. Yeah. Right? But it is one of those things. But I, I think a lot of that is just education. And, and as time, as things progress, you know, the cars get cheaper and cheaper. So I, I think in, in due time, we're going to see more and more of that. So... I think it's also a matter of trying to let people know and, and you know, for, for budget planners, this is really a big conversation for them uh, when it comes to city planning, but it's, there's a, there's a higher upfront cost uh, for buying the vehicles, but your savings come in relatively short period of time because you're not then spending maintenance fees. You're not spending uh, gasoline fees every day. Uh, you know, it's easiest to plug in the car at night at the facility, you know, of the city's ownership and then just charge the car that way. Um, so it's, you know, it's it's a matter of just having some economists sit down with them, their budget planners, and sit down and say, hey, you know, hey, Tom, this is where we're able to save a lot of money. If we replace these five gas cars with these five electric cars, here's the savings we see over the next 10 years. And then that's enough to go, wow, we're saving taxpayer dollar. Then it's a noticeable figure that they go, well, it's a, it's a worthwhile investment. Yeah. It's always an education process. Right? Yeah. Because, you know, obviously with the optics, when you say Tesla, everybody thinks, oh, it's a six figure car, right? Even though it's not true anymore, but that stigma is still there so yeah it's very much um, an education process but the thing is is that um, more and more manufacturers as they come out with cars i mean they're all i mean not everybody's doing a hundred thousand dollar electric car these days right you got kia you've got the other guys coming on board so it's just an education thing yeah so all right we got another story courtesy of our friends at tasmanian 
it looks like Giga, Giga Shanghai, the uh, factory in China, is, uh, is on track to uh, possibly, I have to say that very carefully here, possibly produce up to 550,000 units in 2021, and uh, some 100,000 of those earmarked for export. Um, you have to be careful here because the possible run, um, I mean, you have a possible capacity and then you have a run rate. Two different things, mm -hmm. right? So it looks like uh, Shanghai is really ramping up quite well. The fact that they've actually started building right-hand drive cars for the Hong Kong market is kind of interesting because all they've been making is um, mostly Model 3's left-hand drive for the uh, Chinese mainland. So some of them are starting to go to Europe now and some of them to Hong Kong. So uh, yeah, Shanghai is really coming on strong. I think it's, uh, what did they say here? Um now, with further confirmation, a Tesla Gigafactory in Shanghai production target is 550,000, 50,000 more units than uh, were previously reported. And of the 550,000 units, about 100,000 units uh, are slated for export, along with some 10,000 Model Ys. Um, I haven't seen the evidence of the Model Y portion, phase two of the factory coming online yet, but it shouldn't be very long. There were some Model Ys uh, spotted uh, around the Shanghai factory in the uh, traditional camouflage garb that a lot of the car manufacturers use so it looks like they're probably starting some basic pre-production of the cars so i don't expect it to be very long i would say probably um january february i think probably hmm. somewhere in there so yeah what's what's amazing about these figures and i and i i love this ron howard movie it's so underrated uh gung-ho i gotta go download that one again 15,000 cars and, and you think about, and they were asked to do that in a month, right? At a U.S. factory, build 15,000 cars in a month. And here it is. We're seeing figures, six-figure numbers in the mid, like half a million cars in a year, um, which is amazing because, again, and we've talked about this before on prior episodes of the show, which is with every new iteration of every gigafactory that Tesla builds. Now you're going to see that in Berlin. You're going to see it coming up now in Austin. Their, their production ramp up between building the factory itself, getting the employees hired and trained, and then be able to produce the vehicles. It's just going to continue getting faster and faster all the time. Fremont, part of its limitation is its size. And even when you start adding GA lines, essentially building tents outside to have the ramp up for Model 3, it's amazing they did it for sure. But again, you're just you're limited to a very small space there. But now you have unlimited space to build these things i don't know where we were <laughs> <laughs> we had a technical difficulty folks so if you're kind of wondering where this conversation's going oh, okay so what i was saying is that with every new iteration of their factories you know yep. they're able to produce it but fremont as i was saying before the cutoff fremont really just has a size issue but they were able to kind of accommodate that and get around it by building extra lines outside in these large tents um which proved to be crazy but also ingenious at the same time mm -hmm. uh, as most of what Tesla does anyway. But now with, with uh, Berlin and Austin, when those figures come to fruition in the next few years, it will not be surprising to see them produce something close to what China is able to do right now. Now, will they do it as the same efficiency? Maybe not. Um, we know that when China puts its foot down, things really go at high speed. I mean, we see that now with Apple and all the different resources that are being made over there. So, um, so it's an impressive figure as it is, but I just, like I said, we were, we were going back to the gung ho thing. I just could not help but think <laughs> about that film and building 15,000 cars in a month. And here it is now. China's just blowing that number out of the water. Yep. Good classic movie. I'm going to have to definitely watch that. Thanks for reminding mm -hmm. me again. 
It's got Michael Keaton, Mimi yeah. Rogers. It's just, it's a great film. If you have, if, if you're too old to remember it or too young to not know what the hell we're talking about, Ron Howard directed it. It's, it's called Gung Ho. It's honestly a great film. It's got such great comedy, but also some good stuff. George Went is in it. Um, it's just, it's, it's a classic, you know, U.S. manufacturer working with a team from Japan. Just go watch it. Yep. Go good watch point. it. All right. Our uh, next story is about Tesla submitting their filings to do battery cell production at the Gigafactory in Texas. This comes uh, courtesy of our friends at Tesla Roddy, so a hat tip to those, these guys. So appear, apparently Tesla's filed their papers uh, that will allow them to do uh, cell manufacturing. Now, we kind of knew right from the beginning that this was going to happen. I mean, Elon kind of alluded to that fact that they were going to do that. They will be making the new 48, uh, 4680 cells. But according to the uh, report in here, um, it looks like the cell manufacturing isn't is is not in the first stage of the uh, plant build out. So, uh, th you know, these plants are always built in stages. So the first stage will be largely for Cybertruck production, maybe some maybe some Model Y, um, and then cell production will come online later. Uh, so yeah, looking forward to that. Um, our good friends. Um, uh, there's a, uh, there's a, what is that YouTube channel here? The guys with the, um, oh my gosh, I'm so tongue tied tonight. <laughs> uh, I'm going to bring up this tweet here. Um, our friend, uh, Joe Techmeyer. There you go. Here we go. I had to go to Twitter for it. Anyways, um, they run a YouTube channel. Uh, they fly drones over the uh, Gigafactory on a regular basis. Go check them out. I'll put a link in the video description. You guys can go check out their YouTube channel. Definitely making some progress. They're still at the footings uh, stage at this point for the presses and some of the uh, pylons that they're going to put in there. Anyways, on Twitter, he posted some really neat pictures, and I'm going to bring them up here real quick. Um, these were taken on November 8. Some progress here at the Gigafactory, so you can see some of the uh, footings that are going in. But interestingly, some of the walls that are going up have <laughs> a Tesla logo stamped into the concrete. That's pretty cool. And um, they've erected a, um, a, a, a Tesla... Not a, I don't want to call it a tombstone. It's a sign. <laughs> it says Gigafactory. <laughs> it's not a tomb. It looks... I mean, it's concrete. It's pretty cool. Oh, here it is. You right are here. There's a tombstone. No, no, here it is. I'll bring I'll bring it up here on Twitter. There you go. It says uh, Tesla Texas. Anyways, it's a nice wall with a inlaid concrete logo. Anyways, pretty cool. Go check it out. So, anyways, good progress there. Can't wait to get my Cybertruck out of that factory. So, yeah, Texas is moving along, doing well. And the Roadster eventually, whenever that happens. Um, actually, Roadster is um, going to be built out of Fremont, somewhere in Fremont. I don't know if the actual factory itself or some other facility. Elon's but, house. Uh, yeah, Elon's house, actually. Well, he lives in Bel Air. Actually, he sold his house in Bel Air, didn't he? Yeah. Eric, you'll like this one. Next story. Will I? Yeah. <laughs> Someone was asking, uh, Jason on uh, Twitter was asking, any chance of seeing Tesla insurance in Florida? Elon says, yeah, probably in three to six months. Probably. So, probably. Elon, Elon time. time. Elon time, mm -hmm. right? So that's why even Elon's re recognizing three to six months. That's Elon time there for sure. So those of you looking for some insurance in uh, in Florida, well, maybe you can look forward to that in three to six months. I do, I do wonder, though, uh, because Florida is a no-fault state, uh, how that affects rates. Uh, and, you know, and, and because of and, like Tesla insurance, just from a general conversation, it's still very new and not every state has it. Um, you know, insurance in Florida, not always that cheap. 
especially if you live in a, a congested market like I do here in the Tri-County area. So I'd be very interested to see what the rates would eventually become. Uh, but Florida's own restrictions on auto insurance uh, will make it very interesting to see how Tesla insurance is affected. Uh, yeah, by I, I kind of wonder the same thing, too, because where I live in Ontario, it's a no-fault state as well, or province. Um, insurance is not cheap here either. Right. Um, yeah, a lot of bad drivers. And I mean, it's, it's, it's that and, you know, it depends on the coverage you have. Like I recently wanted to lower my insurance plan. Uh, on a monthly basis, because it was over two hundred dollars a month for the Model Three, right? Mm. And that's and that's U.S., which is crazy. Mm. Um, so I was able to lower it down um, just by increasing the deductibles to a higher amount. So yeah, if something were to happen, I might be pure water pocket, but at least I'm saving more on the front end. So as long as something doesn't happen, I end up saving a bit. But yeah, my my insurance here is not not cheap at all. Wow, it's not. Yeah. Yeah, That's I used to pay 129, part. but uh, over the last year it's been like 85, yeah. 88 bucks or something. And like it's that. it's strange it's because bad. the the Model Three. So my prior vehicle was a Honda Fit, and now I have a Model Three. And the Model Three is remarkably. I mean, not that my Honda was not a safe car. I just I have more safety features now, yeah. but my rate went up because of the value of the vehicle. Mm. Um. So so I mean, and I understand that, but again, just we're we are a cesspool of accidents here. <laughs> Um, and there's a lot of uninsured drivers in Florida Ugh. and, um, statistically speaking, this is, you know, uh, known in the U S the elderly cause more accidents than teenagers. And that's, that's certainly true for people here in Florida because wow. we have a very, very large demographic of those who are retiree age and older. Mm -hmm. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's, I, We'll see if it's that three to six month year window uh, when the numbers do get released and it becomes available. Because again, I would be interested to see what the rates would be. Because again, I'm already paying now one eighty ish per month for my car. Will test insurance be more competitive if all the other figures on that policy are the same? Now, Ian's in Quebec, and the insurance there works a little differently. How can you quickly explain it in thirty seconds or less? Well, it's it's. <laughs> It's no fault, um, and it tends to be very cheap, but that's because your personal injury stuff, et cetera, quite, quite a bit of it is carried by the, uh, the car's license itself, the license plate. So we, play, we pay hundreds of dollars a year to register the car for the plate. Holy um, cow. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, you know, it varies. Um, mine was exorbitantly expensive the first year because, because the car exceeded $75,000. is an additional luxury tax for every $1,000 it is over the limit. So the mm -hmm. first year was like, 150 bucks or something and out of the blue this year it dropped like a rock it like came down to like 260 bucks i'm like did they make a mistake don't tell them <laughs> it's like the property you know? assessment right don't yeah. tell them about the yeah. taxes exactly. so maybe maybe they eliminated it from evs i didn't go looking it's kind of like a don't ask don't tell at this point i really don't want to know as long as it stays there hmm. but yeah it, it, it tends to be we pay higher in plates but our insurance is very reasonable like um what the hell am i paying for the for the cards it's under 800 bucks a year that I pay for the insurance, you know, on a car that book value to replace is $101,000 Canadian, you know, at the time I bought it. Yeah. So that to me is insane. I mean, it's actually cheaper to insure the uh, the three than my used A4 was. So I'm very pleased about that. And that's not unusual. Most people I know, even with Model S's are paying under $1,000 a year for them. You know, it's, it's, they're pretty reasonable. If you shop around, they're very reasonable to insure here. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's a very common way. question, you know, when people ask me about electric vehicles. I mean, one of the first questions, other than the usual, you know, how far, how much, and how long, is, um, 
what's the insurance like, right? They always seem to think that, does it cost more? I'm like, no, about the same as any other car. The, the same or cheaper for the category, certainly in our region, you know, if you get the right company. Well, varies. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Would your insurance be higher if you guys didn't have uh, federal or national health care? You think that would have an effect? Mm, that's a good question. Because I wonder if in the U.S., because we don't have, you know, a national health care system, yeah. uh, you know, some of the times, like, you're, you're, you're judging how much coverage to get for, say, bodily injury based on what you think could happen in your car and, you know, and, you know, the severity of an accident. So the more you're willing, the more coverage you're willing to get again for a severe injury and the higher you pay in premiums out yeah. the door. I do wonder though, if you have a national healthcare system where if I have to go to the hospital, pretty much I just go in, get treated and then leave. Uh, there's no, there's no, not a lot of paperwork and stuff to fill out if that would affect insurance rates. I think you're onto something, Eric, because every insurance company I've ever had policies with, you know, always asks, are you planning to take the car into the U.S. at any point? You know, my answer is always yes, of course, love traveling to America. Right away, out of the box, they're like, okay, we strongly recommend you take $2 million liability. Some uh, of them won't insure the car in the U.S. Wow. Exactly for the reasons you described, because of huh. the, the medical costs, the potential liability for medical injury and stuff in the U.S. is so high, I imagine. There that's, you go. that's part it's, of it. So. Yeah, it's very much like getting uh, travel insurance, right? Mm -hmm. We always take out extra right. travel insurance just because of that, the healthcare yep. factor. Okay, well, always interesting to talk about insurance. <laughs> on a lighter note, Tesla Kila finally went on sale this past week. And of course... <laughs> Completely sold out. $250 a bottle. I've got a picture of the bottle here for those of you who are watching the podcast on YouTube. Well, you can see it if you haven't and you're listening to the podcast on audio. Head over to our YouTube channel and you'll be able to check it out. When um, you say looks, a picture, the one in the solar advertising? Yeah, hmm. well, I'll get to that here in a second. <laughs> yeah. um, I thought it was kind of interesting because, well, the bottle, bottle is actually a beautiful design. And hmm. it turns out yeah. the bottle was designed by... Javier Vendura. So a good shout out to Javier if you're watching. Great guy working over at Tesla there. He uh, He's uh, one of the chief designers at Tesla underneath um, uh, Franz. And uh, it's basically the same shape as the lightning bolt icon for the charge icon on the Model 3 screen. Now, to your point, we discovered that Tesla had snuck in an Easter egg on us uh, for several months. Now, I have some pictures up here. These are courtesy of our friend Raj. So Tesla in their stores have these beautiful large picture murals of the uh, what they call power everything, which show the solar roof and the solar panels and stuff. Anyways, this particular picture that I have up here on the screen, which is a beautiful, looks like a California modern house. He went in and took a picture. And if you zoom in, here's a second picture. And you look at the kitchen table. What's sitting on the kitchen table? <laughs> a bottle of Tesla Kila. <laughs> So Javier went on and he says, we snuck that in there. I totally forgot about that. But yeah, it's been under your noses for months. So uh, yeah, good one, Tesla, for sneaking that in with us. Actually, the other Easter egg that's in some photography that not a lot of people probably know about, unless you've actually camped out in your car, is turn on camp mode. So once that screensaver comes up with the campfire, you know, with the tents. So if you mm -hmm. look between, I don't have a picture of it here, but anyways, if you look between the two um, chairs and there's some trees in the background. There's there's a cyber truck hiding behind the trees. Mm -hmm. So lots of lots of fun there. Uh, yeah, here's the tweet uh, from Javier. He says we had fun designing this one. Never dull moment. Cheers and enjoy responsibly. So yeah, 
lots of fun. It's, it's so beautiful. I mean, I would have ordered one to my my U.S. address and uh, and, and and paid the horrendous import duties to bring it in. Oh, but yeah. it's 250 converted to U.S. dollars plus whatever you'd have to pay to, to import into Canada. It would have been astronomically expensive. Uh, but it's a collector's item. You know, that's, it, that's the thing I don't understand. Are you are, if you're paying for the bottle, yeah, and not the tequila, then it's a waste of money. Like you, you, the tequila is part of the value of it, but no, I can't I'm imagine spending. It. But I can't imagine spending two hundred and fifty dollars on a bottle of tequila and then not drinking it. Like either that's some good shit, and I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna it, it enjoy it over the course of my time. But like I can't I can't imagine spending that much for something. Like imagine when um, if someone says, "Hey, you want to buy the the new iPhone 12 Pro Max?" And I'm like, "Great." But you can't unbox it. It's just going to sit on a shelf. Yeah. That sounds crazy. <laughs> That's what this is with Tesla Kila. Like, are you kidding? No. Well, my opinion is Tesla has a history of doing these one-off products. Oh, no, I, I'm not saying the surfboard. Tesla, the surfboard. I mean, that's a collector's item. But you item. can use it, right? Like, you I, know. I know, if... I know, I know. <laughs> so I'm not a drinker. Uh, you know, if the bottle was a little less, I mean, yeah, okay, you put it on the shelf. I mean, does it appreciate? I don't know. It's, is tequila one of those things that actually pre appreciates in terms of flavor, like like whiskey does? Ages, yeah, does, does it age? Does it one? Is it is it like that or like a wine? It's not. It's not like a a barrel uh, liqueur. So it's not like whiskey um, where you know you you age it and that's and that's certainly good. Like doers, it, the the longer you age it, the better it gets. Mm. Um, or even certain wines. Uh, tequila is just once it's fermented, once it's done, it's done. Oh. So you can okay. drink it in whether whether it. I mean, it's one of those things where I got a bottle like, of Octomore Scotch that's worth a couple hundred bucks upstairs. Yeah, I mean, listen, my parents <laughs> have alcohol that I think predates my birth. So I mean, it's <laughs> but you know. I used to have I'm a bottle a, of I'm not, 19, a big, I'm not a big fan of hard liquor. I used to have but, a bottle of know. 1991 Dom Perignon. Wow. Ooh. Yeah, it was given to me by the house builder when we built our first house. Um, yeah, I think it's worth a lot of money now, but I don't have it anymore. So whatever. <laughs> so yeah, kind of fun. So yeah. Um, anyways, they say it sold out. I'm sure, and they actually got. And I don't know anything about this stuff, but apparently they use a very reputable. Uh, distillery to make these things so it doesn't look like it's limited at least for now could be in the future so if it does come up uh, watch my twitter feed i'll let everybody know once it comes back in the stock but yeah it sold out very quickly so yeah as as everything tessa does uh-huh uh-huh all right uh the next story is is about cybertruck i actually have two different things about cybertruck um, are we going to see some details about the Cybertruck uh, soon? Um, someone had asked uh, uh, if um, we were going to see, uh, this is back at the beginning of the month here. Mm -hmm. Someone on Twitter had asked, will the Cybertruck be an ass kicker too? Well, it's basically a tank from the future. That's what uh, Elon said. And someone else had asked if we were going to see any more details. And he said maybe in a month or so. And that was on November 1st. So mm. we may or may not get some details on more of the Cybertruck towards the end of the year. I think the timing works about right because we're coming up on the 22nd, which is the first anniversary of the reveal of the Cybertruck. My shoulder's still not 100% back from that particular day. Lots of fun. If you guys want to hear the whole story of that, go back in time and watch our podcast. I forget what number it is, but... Uh, I can't relive that again. <laughs> oh, what a nightmare. Anyways, we did a whole show on that thing. Anyways, lots of fun. 
interesting uh, interesting times that's for sure so anyways just, i'm looking for sure you have your passport so i'm saying yeah exactly anyways yeah the oh yeah that's the name of the um, of the <laughs> podcast it's the passport incident if i remember correctly that's what we called it so go and listen to that in our uh, in our back channel so yeah hopefully we're seeing some more stuff how many changes are going to make to this thing i have no idea elon said that they were going to be doing some tweaks um obviously with anything that they do um production cars are always better than the prototypes uh, I think I tweeted out and I said something like, it'd be interesting to see what they do with the windshield wipers, right? Because on the Cybertruck, yeah. where are you going to put them? The whole car is completely flat. So unless they make some significant changes to the hood and the windshield area, I'm really curious to see. Well, is it going to use that weird transverse system that we saw? So Tesla, like the... I'm thank, thank you for bringing that up because Tesla does have two patents that they took out. One mm -hmm. of them was for an electromechanical electromagnetic, I should say, electromagnetic uh, wiper system where it would be essentially one wiper that would, could potentially be on rails that would go side to side and then be able to stow itself um, horizontally. So that's a, definitely a possibility. The other patent that they had was some kind of laser system uh, to zap bugs, but that doesn't take care of rain. So uh, my money is on the electromechanical, the yep. electromagnetic one. That makes the most sense to me. So anyways, we'll see. We'll see what happens with that. Now, in the same vein, um, someone, uh, and I'll bring up the, uh, the video here, and I won't play the, uh, the audio just in case here. Anyways, uh, Ed Jones on Twitter posted an interesting video, and he said it was a Model 3 pushing through a flooded street. Actually, it was a Model X, but we're not going to split hairs on that one. It looks like a submarine. Uh, didn't know that your cars could drive uh, practical underwater, and he tagged Elon Musk. Now, we've seen these kind of videos before uh, that Teslas can indeed, you know, navigate water, and the batteries are mostly watertight, not waterproof. Anyways, Elon went underneath, and uh, he responded and says, wait till you see what Cybertruck can do. All right, so speculation time. Wow. Is Cybertruck going to float? Do we think it's going to have boat capabilities? I mean, we know it's going to have some pretty good off-road off capabilities? Well, think about it. The whole point of the exoskeleton, right, is it's the shell is the structure of the vehicle. Mm -hmm. So I think right out of the bat, you know, like right out of the box, that's going to lend itself to being a, a fairly watertight structure, more so than uh, the existing one where you have a platform, you know, and the body is uh, joined to it. So I, there's... There's probably some good possibility there that this thing is is going to make a pretty decent boat, and especially if it has the anything like the MT tires that we saw on the prototype one, those would be fantastic for propulsion in the water. I know Bart Benton's just dying to know if, uh, they, if yes. it has Mark every yes. tires. Yeah, <laughs> we love That's Mark. It. He's always asking about the wheels and tires. We do. Shout out, <laughs> shout yes. out to our shout out Mark. to Mark. Uh, my only concern with the flotation thing is that uh, Tesla's really, and I've said this many times before, they're really going to have to up their seals game, the door seals, because <laughs> the last thing I want is to go through water in a Cybertruck and end up with a foot of water in the footwells. Fine Lab has a line of protective coatings that were engineered to protect your Tesla's paint, leather, carpet, plastic, and wheels, effectively blocking all those UV rays and environmental factors before they ever get to ruin your brand new baby. Fine Lab offers a complete line of car care products and ceramic coatings for both the do-it-yourselfer and professional detailers. Did we mention we also have the world's first self-healing coating? Check us out at finelab.com, that's spelled F-E-Y-N-L-A-B, to see the science behind the self-healing. Check out our product catalog and click contact us for a free quote from a certified installer in your area. Fine Lab and Tesla, we were meant for each other. Because the seals are crap. So, anyways. 
that's my personal opinion. If it's not opinion. Scottish, it's crap. That's right, exactly. If it's not Cybertruck, it's crap. What, what <laughs> if instead of gloating, it actually Fords? Like this is his whole obsession, you know, with the Lotus Elite, uh, Esprit, you yes. know, the James Bond car mm-hmm. that went underwater. What if it can actually Ford, you know, like an armored mm-hmm. vehicle and come up? Well, Elon did say one time that they wanted to make that one actually submersible. And it's been sitting at the design studio all these years and hasn't gotten around to it yet. Just suddenly emerge out of the ocean and drive <laughs> onto the beach. Yeah. Here's, long here's a question. Epic. Here's the question I have, ready? Because I, I think I think interesting discussion. <laughs> waste of our time. <laughs> interesting discussion. If the vehicle floats and with climate change uh really <laughs> racking it's, it is the apocalypse it's, mobile. It's, uh, <laughs> no, hold on. You have your Cybertruck parked in your driveway massive flood comes through you decide we need to leave we have to get out of here you go to the driveway your cyber truck gone why because it floated away <laughs> right like there no, there's man. just no you just summon it back it'll it'll swim back to it'll you no back to you. but that's the thing though you have to have some kind of propulsion system in the rear yeah. to be able to have it some kind of drive control so where's that gonna go no, believe it or there's not. No, there's no outboard motor the, in the, the back of the well, thing. Well, the wheels no, do. No. Hmm. The wheels propel it. Like, I mean, I think the most, the best example of it was that um, Model S video out of Russia. It was one of the first ones we saw where the guy just blasted through the tunnel. Yep. And you could steer. Like, the front that wheels I, that will I work did, yeah. the, You know, the front wheels will work effectively as rudders. And, you know, if all four drive wheels are going, especially again with a, with a gnarlier off-road tire, uh, you got enough paddle surface on there. I think that thing will, will probably make four or five knots on the water without any trouble at all. So as long as there's no big current, it'll yeah, summon it and it'll just swim its way back to you. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, well, if it does float, well, you can expect lots and lots of YouTube videos from everybody doing every kind of imaginable uh, silliness with this vehicle, including oh, myself, yeah. of course. Because of course. Of course. Because I can. <laughs> because I can. All right. So anyways, looking forward to that. Um, again, we won't see anything from Cybertruck until later next year as far as production is concerned, but maybe we'll get a taste of some new Cybertruck uh, features. Um, <laughs> I, can only, I can only see it like ads now in the future. Are you worried about climate change? Get yourself a Tesla Cybertruck. You can float yourself away and save yourself like it's Kevin Costner in Waterworld. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> God. Oh, my gosh. All right. Our next story is a very quick one because, um, you know, FSD has been testing out there with a a bunch of our Twitter friends, um, including John from Silicon Valley Owners Club, Tesla um, Silicon Valley Owners Club. Um, I encourage you guys to watch this video that he did. Um, FSD works like a champ in the rain. This has always been a bit of a concern in some cases. But anyways, the video is phenomenal. If you watch it, he did a a 14-minute drive where he had no disengagements in the pouring rain. So it's very very encouraging to see. I'll put a link in the uh, video description. You guys want to check out his YouTube channel, and you can can see that. So um, anyways, there's a lot of good FSD videos out there. Actually, on our forum, and I'll try to remember to put a link on there, I've got a list of um, pretty much all the, some of the best um, FSD videos that I've been able to capture. Now, I've been a little lax over the last couple of weeks. I haven't put them all in there, but I've got, um, I don't know, maybe about three dozen videos or something like that, so you guys can click on them and just watch them. So anyways, there's more coming out all the time. Actually, there's one um, YouTube channel I like to watch called AI Driver. 
I think it's... Uh, anyways, that's his license plate on his car. He does a lot of really neat FSD challenges. So I was just watching one before we started recording. So I'll try and remember, put a link in the video description. You guys can check out some of his stuff. And of course, our, our friend uh, um, uh, Kim Paquette's doing a, a bunch of really neat videos. And uh, James Locke as well, who's, uh, who's also a Tesla um, um, owners club uh, president who's doing lots of testing so anyways it's looking good um, apparently we may see fsd in canada and norway next because it looks like once it's uh, well elon did say on twitter that once it's out of be uh, beta in the u.s that those will be the two next countries i think ostensibly getting fsd beta so not the full release so once it's out of beta in the u.s this is the way i read the tweet anyways so once it's out of beta in the u.s then it would go to uh, beta in Canada and Norway. Uh, why no more countries? I have no idea. But anyways, be interesting to just test it out in the snow. We had beta one day of snow. Never. We had one day of snow, and then we've had Indian summer for like the last week. It's been beautiful here. Just great, think, great beautiful I think weather. Ian heard that and sort of ignored it. <laughs> no, no, actually, it was just as nice here. It was crazy. We set an all-time high on... Um, Tuesday was it? I think it was uh, 22 degrees or something like that. This is mid-November. Yeah. So 22 degrees. That's like 72, 73 degrees Fahrenheit in the middle of November in Montreal. That is cuckoo. I mean, yeah. it's gorgeous. I was like sitting there with a lunch. Weather, oh yeah, yeah. Well, we um, we and... haven't had a low below 72 so far uh, this fall winter ish time. I mean, it's not officially winter yet, but for some places they're experiencing winter. Um, but we haven't had it yet uh, here in South Florida. It's the latest in the year that we've ever had on record where we have yet to have a low temperature of 72 degrees or lower. Yep. So I'll take it. Hey, if winter was never, like that around here all year round, I'd be great. I'd be happy. Yeah. Well, it, it, it's again a I reflection snow, of it. our changing climate. We're, we're seeing this Atlantic hurricane season, some d just incredible figures coming out. We just had a tropical storm uh, impact here us here in Florida uh, twice, coincidentally. And, um, you know, we're, we're just seeing record numbers all over the place. Uh, there's now another system developing in the in the uh, Caribbean, as we discussed. There's another storm in the Atlantic out there. Uh, we could conceivably see 30 named storms this Atlantic season. Oh. I mean, we're well into the Greek alphabet. Like the next storm would be Iota. Oh my gosh. Um, so right, it's just it's insane. But it's and there's there's theories now that these systems could last longer going inland further. Mm -hmm. uh, which is amazing. Uh, not long ago, Iowa had what seemed like hurricane-like conditions in the system out there. So it's it's not surprising that these, what they can, I mean, we consider weather anomalies. It To me, it's more of an indicator. This is the new normal. Yep. Yeah. Um, so, you know, people who think like, oh, I can't stand the heat, go to the Northeast, go to Canada, and they'll tell you, no, we're having summer-like conditions yeah well into the fall i mean i know uh trevor will tell you there was not there wasn't how many days ago was did it snow in toronto was it earlier was it late last week it snowed one day right you had like snow. a light snowfall you're like it's too soon yeah, it and is here it soon. is you're like uh honey can you get my shorts from the dress <laughs> yeah, pretty much right like that's but that's how that, yes. canada like alaska seeing in crazy high temperatures uh the arctic is basically melting so it's not surprising that canada yeah. has these warm weather conditions in the middle of november we usually no, get um 
we usually get a few days at the beginning of January too. We get a nice warm spell as well. It's 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 the jet stream. We're right in the middle of it. So yeah, kind of yeah, and it's and getting more, that's exactly what's driving these incredible ups and downs. Like I mean, we had snow just at the end of April last year, mm-hmm. and thirty days later, we almost cracked our all time highest temperature ever recorded. We were just shy of hundred degrees Fahrenheit yeah. a month after we had snow. That's retarded. Like it's completely makes no sense. In California, which is known for its very nice weather for the majority of the year, especially like in places like San Diego and Northern California, it's you've got they had such high temperatures this year that L.A. people were essentially sweltering and having heat related illnesses because there's no A.C. there. Unlike, you know, here in Florida, where we technically have A.C. in most of the places we build. So people who are not used to these very, very high weather conditions are like, what is going like it just you see these really weird weather occurrences all around the world and everyone's like yeah i mean just you name a country name any continent and you'll find a list of either extremely really bad um weather systems hurricanes uh you know any kind of cyclone that there is massive flooding mudslides high temperatures whatever you're, you're just seeing these pop up everywhere all the time and then hey let's add a global pandemic on top of that Hmm. Right. It's just it's what a what a year. Well, on a different note, um, <laughs> our next <laughs> I know. How do you segue out of this? I know. I know. I know. I know. Try, you know what, though, but happy to talk about. These are the days of, of our, our lives. lives. Well, let's exactly. talk about let's talk about Spotify. Yeah, exactly. So our friend uh, Dan Berkland on Twitter did some testing with the latest uh, 202044 10.1. So he had a chance to test out the overhauled in-car Spotify application, and uh, he was bummed because he discovered that Tesla is still locking the bit rate of the app at 96 kilobits per second, which is not good for music. Okay for audio, podcast, that kind of thing, but when it comes to music, it's actually crappy. So he did a bunch of tests, and uh, sure enough, that's exactly what's happening. So for the time being, if you want to listen to Spotify in all of its glory, well, put the app on your phone and then stream over Bluetooth. Um, yeah, it's pretty sad. Um, I don't know whether that's deliberate on Tesla's part to cap the data rates that they have to pay, because let's face it, uh, you know, not everybody enjoys unlimited data past their one year uh, grace period when they first get the car. So, um, yeah, unfortunately. So, yeah, I think there's a bit of a, a push on the Internet now to, to say, you know, Tesla, is there any way you can increase that? I, my personal, my, my opinion is 128 should be the bare, bare minimum. Yeah. Um, because, you know, anything below that is just junk. I mean, 128 is pretty crap, you know. I know a lot of guys are like, well, we want lossless or everything. Okay, fine. I mean, you know, I, I'm older. I, I can't tell the difference between <laughs> certain bit rates and other ones when it gets too high, right? Because, you know, you, you lose the lows and you lose the highs. So, uh, but I, 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 256 would be nice. I'd be happy with that. I'd I mean, be thrilled not, for 192. It's, uh, it's, it's not that much more in terms of file sizes. So I don't know. Well, you know what? I was, I was, I had this thought the other day, uh, when I was driving my loaner model S and then I got back into my model three, it would be wonderful if at some point Tesla had a way of upgrading from LTE to 5g in their vehicles and give owners the option to pay to have 5g service were available mm-hmm. because then you're getting faster downloads which would allow you to get the higher bit rate that you're talking about but if you have the owners pay to have that service uh, just a flat rate whatever they get you basically open that capacity and whatever costs you're incurring well basically the owners are paying for it in a flat monthly fee 
to be able to have, you know, faster downloads and everything else. Because um, at some point, LTE is going to be outmoded. It's going to be outdated. There are and pointers. I think Green found some stuff, I think, in the latest firmware pointing that there's a possibility of 5G uh, coming to cars in the near future. So I don't yeah. know if that's part of the refresh or possibly a modem upgrade or something like that. I mean, uh, phones are starting to go to 5G now. I mean, it's been around yeah. for some time. It's just waiting for the carriers to, to put up the antennas to really take advantage of that. So That would be my question, is is the modem in the car good enough? I know when I imported my Volt into Canada, uh, GM for free upgraded the modem to get it to, it was either for 3G or 4G here mm -hmm. because it, it didn't have it. Uh, the U.S. cars didn't have it, so... They actually had to change the hardware out in it. Hmm. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I mean, if 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 the technology in the vehicles, just because of how dated it is, I mean, who knows how long they've been using the same LTE antenna in the vehicle? I mean, it's it's obviously been in the cars for some number of years. If they've relatively used the same component time and time again, it'd be interested if someone out there, we don't, um, maybe we could do the homework. But if you're in the audience and you want to look at the catalog the parts catalog and just to see maybe there's a, a clue into there if they've used the same one across off all four vehicles or not um but yeah it, it, I, I at some point it'd be hard to not make that change from lte to 5g it'd be hard not to well i know in the s's and the x's uh the the board that they use in the mcu is very modular there's a lot of different circuit boards that all click mm -hmm. in uh, modem was certainly an upgrade uh there was a time tesla was offering actually they're still offering i think a 500 upgrade um, for cars that have the older modem to upgrade to the new one. Um, matter of fact, they're actually offering a radio upgrade as well for some of those cars. Mm -hmm. uh, some of the people upgraded the MCU2 lost, uh, I think it was AM, AM or FM transmission. I think mm -hmm. they lost AM for quite some time, uh, and then they lost FM transmission, but now I think they make an upgrade available for that now too for those um, that want that. Yeah, you can get FM back, but not AM if yeah, I remember. Well, AM is, is um, my understanding is that there's a lot of interference from the motors and the power electronics and stuff. That's why they can't really use it. So they're streaming the AM stations, um, okay. you know, over the modem type of thing. But if you want FM now, apparently you can get it. Um, I believe, don't quote me on this, but I think it was a difference in the wiring harness. Okay. Um, when they did the MCU upgrade, um, they didn't get around to doing the wiring harness. But anyways, I don't know. Maybe one of you Tesla technicians can chime in on that. Send me a DM or something like that. Um, all right. So our last story tonight is actually courtesy of our friend Ian, who tweeted that um, yeah. yeah, the Ministry of uh, Minister of Environment, Bernoulli Charette, confirms that Ca uh, Quebec's provincial EV rebate program will be available until the end of 2021 and foresees it continuing on for several more years. Woo! <laughs> yeah, that was nice because we were not sure if this current administration was going to go forward with it. It was very shaky in the beginning. You know, they're, they tend to lean fiscally conservative. Um, and this was a hard sell. And I really have to put out huge props to my friends at LAVEC, Association de Véhicules Électriques de Québec, who, who are very... Fast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> We're quite influential. Uh, you know, and have a good relationship with uh, the various provincial governments we've had, and um, I'm sure they were instrumental in it. But just the way things are leaning nationally right now in Canada, I think you know they understand that our role here in Quebec to be a leader in this um, is really important. And even if it still costs a little bit of money, it's the outcome is worth it. Because how insane would it be for us to end a program in one of the only places on planet Earth that runs essentially on 100% uh, renewable energy? That's true. 
it, it just it wouldn't make any sense. So not only have they guaranteed it to the end of 2021, but if you go and look at the line entries in the budget for the next four years, it's there. And there's actually more money being allotted to it in the next four years. So I was thrilled about that. So, uh, so happy to see that. I wish more provinces would get on that. We had a good one here in Ontario until it was clobbered. Um, at least we still have something at the federal level, but then again, yeah. it's also capped and stuff. So uh, at least at the federal level, it's it's fair for everyone. Like in the U.S., when you had the federal tax credit, everybody qualified, um, yeah. but it was tied to a manufacturer. Now, of course, Tesla at the beginning of last year, gone, or actually beginning of this year, I think it was phased out, right? So, um, yeah. I, I, I'm hoping Ontario is going to come back because, um, you know, I, I listened in. I was, uh, this information was announced at uh, the Electromobility Canada um, conference, which was virtual this year. Mm-hmm. And I logged in for all two days of it. And there's a huge amount of push, both from provincial and federal governments, um, to capitalize on the, the switch over to EV technology. Like, we really want to bring in everything from full-blown auto manufacturing to component manufacturing to R&D, like really harness all the resources and make Canada like an, an EV a, attractive to everybody in the EV ecosystem. You know, that's mm-hmm. really what the focus is on. And there's a lot of money. We're talking billions of dollars now that are in the pot to make this happen at all the different levels when you combine it. And Ontario now is the focus of a lot of it because Ford's announced uh, just a couple of months ago that um, the Oakville assembly plant is going to be converted to all EV. They're going to have five electric vehicles being manufactured in Oakville starting in 2025. Um, Fiat Chrysler, same thing, announced that they're going to be building uh, out of the Windsor factory EV starting the same year in 2025. So now with all this EV manufacturing coming in, how can Ontario as a province, you know, be still ripping out chargers and not supporting anything as far as the EV market goes? It, it, it's counterintuitive. I have to think there's going to be, if nothing alone, just the Canadian Auto Workers Union. Excuse me is going to want to put pressure on them. It's like, look, you know, these are our livelihoods here. We need people to buy these vehicles. You, you've got to get yeah. on board with it. So hopefully that'll swing them back, you know, the, the business opportunity. Well, let's hopefully uh, yeah, they get on board with that. It shouldn't be a political issue. I mean, no. quite honestly, right? Because that affects everybody. Yeah. Well, that brings us to the end of our stories. Uh, I did send out a tweet earlier today to see if we can get some people to uh, ask us some questions because here on the podcast, we do like to answer viewer and listener questions. And you guys certainly delivered. So I wanted to bring up the first question is from Ben. He says, I'm having um, having received mixed messages about properly heating and defogging Tesla glass with cold temperatures. What recommendations would you offer to new over, uh, owners experiencing the first winter in an EV? That's a very good question, uh, Ben, because um, we get it quite a lot from people that are, uh, and he's in Colorado, by the way. So just for context. So my experience um, has been, well, the first thing you need to understand about fogging on windows is because there's condensation in the car. Uh, Winter months and stuff, you get a lot of humidity. Where is it going to go? Deposits on the windows. So um, first thing is um, don't leave a lot of water and snow (laughs) to melt inside the car. That makes things worse, right? So take take your floor mats out and bang them out. Um, The second thing to do is is you want to dry up that air. So you either do one of two things. Run the AC on in recirculate, okay? So if you're going to run the AC on, you must have recirculate on so that it dries out the air. That's part of AC, what it does. If you don't want to use AC because it will use less energy, what you need to have is fresh air out um, coming into the car, but make sure your recirculate is off. Because if you have it recirculating, you have fresh air coming in, it's just going to fog up. Um, The other thing that I found is 
not necessarily relying on auto as much. What I tend to do is I set it at a comfortable temperature and I will set the fan speed. Now on my Model X it was different than the Model 3 because the HVAC systems are very different, but I tended to um, put the vents a little higher so that we get up under the windows and leave the fan setting at, um, I don't know, four or five, whatever was comfortable, uh, not too loud. Um, basically, I would try and run the fan speed as low as I can uh, just before the windows started fogging up. And I would kind of leave it like that. And that seems to work quite well. But the main thing is, is you want to make sure you dry out the, the air. So make sure you, if you're going to run the AC, you have to have recirculation on. If you don't want to use AC, because it will use a little less energy, um, make sure that uh, fresh air is uh, brought into the car and turn recirc off. Ian, do you, you want might... to add anything else? I was just going to say, you know what's funny is uh, I know there were a lot of complaints on that when the Model 3 first came out with window fogging and that sort of thing. And I noticed this early on in the first winter, yeah, you, you had to do exactly what you're describing, Trev, uh, to optimize the performance. But I think there's been some, um, some software upgrades that have mm -hmm. happened. They've tweaked it because... All of last year, I don't ever recall messing with it. I've left it on auto, and it's been brilliant. Like, I rarely have to touch That's it. That's true. I do remember a time when yeah. it got, it definitely did, did get better. Um, yeah. I, When I had my Model X, I was fighting with it constantly. So, of course, that's yeah. prior to the Model 3. Um, so, yeah. Those are the I, main, think, main things. I think, you know, extreme situation, like you said, like a lot of humidity in the car, you might want to optimize it manually. But I think most of the time now, uh, the system's got it sorted out. Yeah. So just make sure you don't have a, a lot of moisture in your car. That's the main thing. All right, next question comes from Kevin. He says, um, how long after the Plaid Model S debuts at the end of next year do we expect to see a Plaid Model X? Do you hmm. think it will have over a 500-mile range as well? I'm, I'm going to say that um, pretty much at the same time, if not shortly thereafter, if they do still intend on bringing a Plaid Model X, I still think in a lot of ways both cars will share quite a bit of components, at least drivetrain-wise, battery. I mean, not bodies, obviously, but drivetrain, battery. And and I think a lot of it really boils down to how much are they going to re-engineer in this car? Are they, mm -hmm. they really going to rock the boat on this thing? Um, my belief is that um, it will definitely get the new 4680 cells, so that entails a complete new battery pack. So at that point, do they design something that will house the cells in a pack that will fit in the existing body, or are we looking at something completely different i don't know it's I, also it's also hard to speculate though there will be a plaid model x when we've seen no mention there's nothing on the tracks they haven't tested anything um so you know having some of the dna of a plaid model s uh make it into a tweaked refined I guess we can call it Model X. Uh, I certainly, maybe there are there are some inclinations to doing that. But we know the Plaid Model S is a beast onto itself. I, mm -hmm. I don't foresee them doing anything like that for Model X since there's been, if there, I mean, mind you, we saw, we saw glimpses of the Plaid Model S on the track in Germany, how many months ago? Like we saw it a long oh, time a ago. ago. And we, like, we, right. And there's zero, there's nothing about Model X doing the same thing. Yeah. Um, so I, I, if you're asking me today on my birthday what's going to happen this time next year, I, unless they're coming out with a car on the, on the track in the next several weeks, I don't see them having that coming out next year. That's a good possibility. They may have just, you know, Model X is just going to be Model X the way Maybe. it is and, and not get much more. 
Um, I 100% I, I agree with Eric. I don't see it because there's so much differences in hardware. Like we know the body's going to be modified on the S. It's going to have those big flares. It's going to have the much bigger aggressive track tires on it with much bigger wheels, bigger brakes, all that stuff. Would they bother putting that on an X? Why would you do that? And as, right. as, as I'm thinking this, as Eric is speaking, I'm going, well, the only argument is the huge, huge thing now amongst the baller community, as they would call themselves, is to have these like track ready SUVs. This is a beast which completely blows my mind. Like the Audi, the new Audi RSQ8 uh, that just came out, you know, that's got these like dinner turkey dish plate, you know, ceramic rotors. We just measured one of these things. Like the rotors on it are like 15 inches. It's absolutely Whoa. You can't put anything smaller than a 22-inch wheel in the bloody vehicle. Who's taking a 7,000-pound SUV to the track is my question. But look at all the different AMG Mercedes oh, well. you know, models, you know, these giant, you know, supercharged engines. The same thing, you know, with the M5 and uh, the, uh, sorry, X5M and X6M from BMW. I mean, there, there's an obsession now with make these ultra-fast SUVs. So as crazy as it sounds... Maybe if Tesla wanted to go after that market, maybe making a Plaid Model X would be a thing to do. I don't personally see it now, but there certainly seems to be customers for them. I, I would I would put my money more on a Model Y being made Plaid than Model X. Well, that would mean we'd need a Plaid 3 as well. Oh, Plaid 3. No, I'm just... I'm just <laughs> oh, yeah. Homer's drooling. Oh, yeah. Ian is Ian is going to start listing his car for sale in the next few minutes. For a Plaid 3? Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> Bridget, you didn't hear this. No. no. Speaking no. of uh, BMW, have you guys seen the new uh, iX that they announced? I did. Mm -hmm. What's going on with the grill? <laughs> I don't know. It's not the craziest one I've ever seen. It's, it's well, they're getting into Lexus territory now. I yeah. mean, it's just getting <laughs> redonkulous now with these grills. Yeah, oh well. Anyways, this is not the BMW podcast, but I thought I'd, I had to say it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next question comes from, and I can't read it. BLK Tony Soprano, Black Tony Soprano. I don't know. It's on Twitter. He asks, he, well, he says, Ryan McCaffrey, good friend of ours, hi, Ryan, said that uh, he had a source saying that the Cybertruck would have a range of around 560 miles. Do you think that the Plaid Model S will have a similar range or will it be greater because it weighs less? That's a very good question. Hmm. hmm. Well, I think a lot of it boils down to, um, are they going to put the Model S on a diet? Do we, do, we don't even know how much the Cybertruck's actually going to weigh. Well, a lot. How big is the battery pack on the Model X or Cybertruck? Yeah. Plaid. Is it 200 kilowatt hours? Don't know. That was my guess was around that in order to get 500 and some odd miles of range from that truck. I got to think it's a 200 kilowatt hour pack. 48, and I don't know. If you, I don't think you, cells. Yeah. yeah. His question really is. Will it get the range? We already know Tesla has released the figures for Plaid. Exactly. 400. I'm in the design studio now. I'm trying to pull out oh, the... Uh, it's, why didn't I think of that? <laughs> guys. <laughs> should I have my V8? Plaid, Plaid, if the design studio would hurry up. Uh, the Long Range Plus gets 402. Uh, Plaid gets 520 plus. Well, there you go. 520 plus. Okay. So more than 520. Mm -hmm. There's your answer. Yeah. Now we know with hypermiling, the they're gonna get here. Here. Oh, you know what? Here. Here's a great one. Ready? 
could with hypermiling, could the plaid model s get a thousand well sure if you're driving 20 miles an hour right yeah <laughs> so yeah. depending upon how you're driving you certainly could get 560. oh yeah yeah Ian oh, yeah. won't. Ian wouldn't do it. Ian would get 260. That's that's probably so that max. So I'd be so, happy to track 300. So, so we think the roads. <laughs> so we think the roadster would do 700. Oh, it might it might even do more than 800. Well, look, it, it would seem common that whenever someone's hyper mild an S or a three, they've been able to roughly speaking double the rated range, right? Mm -hmm. When they've been going like the 28 mile an hour regime. So if the roadster is you know genuinely going to do 600 miles then yeah 1200 miles is not out of question imagine that you could drive almost all the way from montreal to florida without charging That's, why would you want to yeah. do that though don't come yeah, to 28 florida. miles an hour no no don't come here no we'll <laughs> we'll leave we'll meet you somewhere else don't come here gosh <laughs> okay we'll go to colorado it's nice there okay yeah okay you can go. You can go spend some time with Ben and show him how to uh, defrost his car. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next question comes from uh, Rickden seven hundred seven, who's in Australia, by the way. He says, "How to stop the greedy governments from applying an EV tax to replace fuel levies?" Well, that's a really good question. Um, there are many places out there have um, have applied EV taxes because they think that they're losing. Uh, Road taxes that help pay for, you know, sorry, let me go back and say infrastructure, <laughs> infrastructure costs, because let's face it, if you're not buying fuel, because part of that fuel is a taxes that are used to improve infrastructure, roads and so on and so forth. Personally, I don't think that there's quite enough EVs on the road to really make that, that big of a dent. So I think it's a little premature to be doing that. However... Someone could make a, a case to say that eventually something has to give. So, you, you know, you could either front end it, you know, um, maybe on the licensing part of it. I, I don't know. I mean, what, what are your thoughts on this, guys? I oh, have Eric an has idea. A, okay. All right, go ahead. So here's, here's, so the news came out today that the state of Texas, and we're recording on a Thursday. So this is in the last 24 hours this came out. But Texas is trying to get a bill passed uh, in their state house that would tax clean energy programs much higher than the things that are bad for us like oil and gas right <laughs> like think things that are basically harmful to earth's environment they want to go well we're just going to tax you a little bit just a, just a smidge just so you got to pay something right but if you're going solar hydro and wind Hey guys, listen, your stuff is really cool and all. It's very Austin awesome, but we're going to have to tax the hell out of that. So I feel like here's, here's, I've always been arguing this for a long time. And I'm going to pose this question knowing there is no answer. Why is fast food, which is more harmful than good, cheaper than the healthy stuff? Why, why, why is it more expensive to buy, say, a bag of apples than, say, you know, a steak dinner? Right. So it depends on the apples and how cheap the steak is. But anyway, you get the point. Wow, where are you yeah. getting your so, listen, listen, I, <laughs> lums, just lums, whatever. Right. So <laughs> is lums even open anymore? I have no idea. Anyway, so, so I've always said that there should be a flip the script situation in a lot of ordinances. So to me, there should be a, um, a, a fast food tax 
the things that increase healthcare costs, yes, cigarettes, fast food, uh, things like that, um, things that are harmful to the environment, um, you know, uh, gas, uh, oil, things like that. Those things should be taxed higher to discourage people from actually doing it and then take those costs because like here in the US, we subsidize corn, wheat, and many things. Instead of using that to make cheap effing cereals, use that to make fruits and vegetables and things that are actually healthier for people to consume, less expensive, which makes them want to eat more of it. Um, if you did that with uh, you know EVs and electrification and things like that, and you know using winds, water, and solar, uh, then yeah, you not only then allow the job sector to grow, you then encourage people to reinvest in that job sector. You then tax the things that, because right now no one's going to give up their lawnmower anytime, but if you want to get gas for that, well, it's going to cost you a bit more money, which then would make you go to get electric appliances and electric lawn care. Have you been to Home Depot cars. recently and looked at appliances or it's like crazy. garden tools? Mm -hmm. Everything's electric now. Yeah, it's so I mean, so there is getting harder a, to buy those gasoline things. But yeah, anyways, but I mean, but, but, but but ideally, ideally, it's still like I mean, here in Florida, for example, I still see gas stations for less than two dollars a gallon. So for people who are thinking of going electric right now, there is no incentive to do that when like Tesla owners or people who are interested in Tesla. Well, that EV credit is gone <laughs> here in the U.S., Right. Certain states will give you some incentives, but ideally we're 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 seeing the we're seeing federal governments and state governments sort of waning on that, just taking their foot off the pedal and not really accelerate that transition because they're saying we don't have the capital. And I'm saying you can get it by actually taxing the things that people are consuming on a daily basis that are actually doing irreparable harm to both themselves and to the environment. You, you, you just, in a nutshell, described the carbon tax principle, which I think is the yep. absolute best way possible for everywhere around the world to get us out of the situation you're in. And you, if you talk to any economist, even fiscally conservative economists, they will tell you that's the way to do it. Never mind putting a regulation on this and forcing people's hands. I mean, we all know, especially in the US, how much people hate to be told what to do. Put a tax on the thing that's bad. Let business decide. Business will always figure out the story. Or even cap and trade. Exactly. But yeah. a carbon tax solves yeah. it all. I mean, and then you redistribute that money back into the system. You know, it's like, okay, we're going to tax this thing, but guess what? Everybody, your income tax or whatever is going to come down. So yes, you know, your cost on certain items will go up, but you're going to get money back. You're not going to pay as much income mm -hmm. tax, whatever it is. And now you get to choose to buy the cheaper thing. So, you know, you, you'll get the benefit of this and it, it immediately diverts the, the, the stream it, instantaneously. Everyone's going to want out of it. it no, just, without, without I getting... just can't, I just can't for the life of me understand why governments and this is this is not any specific kind of government, but my governments as a whole are making it more and more difficult for for individuals and for companies to make the transition. Oh, we 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 know the science; it tells yeah. us we know it's better. Okay, and they are just they're just stupid to not want to make that change when so when their consumer is basically lining up at the door with cash yeah. in their hands, going, "We're willing to buy," and they don't want to do it. Well, here's, here's, here's the uh, lobby groups. I've, yeah, okay. There you go. Thank you. I was just about to say that. That's oh, the biggest 100%. problem. It's a hundred percent what it is. It's, it's but you would you would think in a capitalist economy, 
that people would listen to the consumers who are the ones who are deciding how they're going to spend well, their dollars. Unfortunately, the lobby groups basically own the governments now. Very much so. so. What they no. want, they get. Yeah. So unfortunately, that's just the way it kind of works. That's if they were to stop the lobbying and make it illegal, yeah. a lot of that stuff would get cleaned up. But oh. unfortunately, oh, you know that uh, that genie's out of the bottle. All Come right, on, we really have it. to we really have to to move on here, guys. Sorry. Uh, last question of the evening comes from Lester. He says, uh, "Any update on Tesla producing a CCS adapter?" Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> yeah, everybody is asking about this. Um, so the last I saw about a CCS adapter other than the one in Europe which they make for the S and the X is um, they were testing one in Korea. Mm -hmm. In Korea they use the same Tesla plug that we do in North America the proprietary uh, plug and there was a CCS adapter that was spotted in Korea being tested. Um, so they took a CCS and they plugged it in and uh, yeah. So that's the last we saw of it. Um, typically with Tesla, this kind of thing, I mean, they're all real quiet until they're done testing. And then all of a sudden it just pops up on the Tesla store. It's just like nobody says anything. It just shows up one day. Um, same thing with the Chatamo adapter uh, for Model 3. We knew that they were testing it and they said nothing. And then all of a sudden one day it was just like got a software update and hey, now it works. So I think it's going to be the same way. I think um, we're going to have a discussion with, I'm actually having a discussion with, uh, with Kyle, actually, I think it's on Monday. Anyways, that's a story for another day, uh, about the future of uh, CCS and Chatham and all these other things. But, um, I, I would really like to see, um, a CCS adapter because it gives us more opportunities than Chatamo. Chatamo is very much a Japanese standard, but it's fallen out of favor. CCS is where it's at. Model 3 has been designed to use CCS because it's got the larger charge flap. That's what they use in Europe. Um, I was looking at the Cybertruck. It's got a great big charge flap on there too. The rumor scuttlebutt that I've been told is Model S, when it gets around to being refreshed, so to speak, it's going to have larger tail lights. So to me, that indicates possibility of a larger charge plug in there because if you look at the Chinese Model S they've got a separate door on the side of the cars for their charge plug the GB adapter which is big it almost looks like Chatamo and that's just got to drive the Tesla engineers and the designers crazy because oh how dare you put a door flap on the side of our cars but anyways that's a that's another discussion but anyways what do you guys think uh, anytime soon or like do we really need this thing It'd be nice. I'm just curious what the upper charge limit's going to be. One of the things I love about CCS is, you know, you now have uh, Electrify America, Electrify Canada units that are 350 kilowatts. So you can get some serious, you know, like V3 style charging speeds mm -hmm. out of that. But I wonder if if Tesla is going to cap it based on communication. You know, like obviously they can control their own charging with their own uh, units very, very precisely. Are they going to be able to do that with the CC? I don't see why not because they're doing it in Europe, right? So... Yeah, so they I give us 150, 200 kilowatt. That's fine. fine. That's great. Yeah, it's better yeah, than the 48 awesome. you get on Chatmo oh, right yeah. now. Yeah. But it, it just, you know, it literally doubles your choices in a lot of areas. So um, I, I'm, I'm all for it. I really hope it comes soon. Yeah, it's not going to be cheap adapter though. It's, it'll be five, six hundred bucks easy. Probably Something like that. So. Well, I think that brings us pretty much to the end of the show. Uh, I want to say thank you for everybody for submitting their questions. And um, I don't know when we're going to do another podcast. We, kind of, You know, the COVID thing right now, we, it's just not quite as much news and we got other things going on. So we like to do this every two weeks and stuff. But once things uh, pick up again, we'll probably get back on our normal schedule. But having said that, since our uh, guests are here on the show, Eric, why don't you go first? Uh, let us know where people can find you and whatever you want to plug. 
Sure. Um, you can find me on Twitter. Uh, it's this website that's not Parler. It came kind of cooler than Parler. Uh, we allow diversity of voices and ideas. Uh, but no, you can find me on Twitter. The handle is ECFIX. That's E-C-F-I-X. And please, uh, as you can see, if you're watching this on YouTube, you'll see in the corner, uh, wear your masks. Uh, we're seeing horrendous numbers oh. all around uh, North America, yeah, especially here in the States. It's not over, folks. Um, so we, we expected winter to get really bad. Uh, I want you to be safe. I want your loved ones to be safe. I want the people you come in contact to be safe. Uh, and if we don't have a show before uh, this holiday season, before this Thanksgiving, um, we are recommending that you try to have a virtual Thanksgiving if you can. So try to avoid large gatherings. Uh, it's going to be tough. We're, we're all dealing with this. Um, but uh, but it, it may be safer to not travel, uh, to stay home, and, and just kind of isolate if you can. So um, we've got technology at our disposal. So use your video conferencing applications, use your phones, do whatever you can. But if you can have a socially distanced, safe holiday season, please do so. Um, I'd hate to hear anybody in our audience um, being sick. If you have loved ones who are sick, I hope they do recover. Uh, you know, this is a trying time for all of us. Uh, so we're, again, we're all dealing with this. This is not me getting on my, on my high chair telling you what you should be doing. Um, but again, I... I Honestly, this is this is not something to mess around with. So please wear your masks. Thank you. How about you, Ian? I have a special message for my friends who either I've received or ordered their Model Ys, and it's haha. Haha, yes. <laughs> 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 nice shirt. <laughs> I love this shirt. Yeah, I just got it the other day. That's that's from the Tesla store. So plug plug for the Tesla merchandise. Yes. Today. I saw the top of your head and I'm like, is it gonna turn into a balloon for my birthday? That'd be crazy. <laughs> I could have tried to pull that trick. <laughs> you could have, you could have drawn like a line in the back of your head. So uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter. The handle is at Ian Pavelko. And uh, if you've already got your haha yes Model I T-shirt from Tesla, well then you can go to the uh, Mad Hungarian Evolvewear store at Teespring.com, and you can pick up uh, an Evolvewear shirt to go along with it. Excellent. Video, uh, our link will be in the video and the podcast description, as always, to Ian's uh, merchandise. Thank well, you, I guess that leaves me. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter. Just look for Tesla Owners Online and uh, check out our forum at teslaownersonline.com. You know, we, we, need, uh, we need more discussions in there. I know a lot of people have been, uh, um, been getting their Model 3s and their Model Ys and stuff, and it's just like, hmm. So, yeah. Go, go check out the forum. There's lots of people on there. There's some really good discussions going on right now um, uh, with the uh, with the refresh Model 3. So uh, looking forward to doing a video on that one pretty soon. Speaking of which, if you live in the uh, greater Toronto area and you're expecting a refreshed Model 3, please reach out to me. I'd love to be able to do a video with your car. I got a couple lined up, but uh, whoever comes first, right? So let me know. Anyways, that's it for tonight. Uh, thanks for listening and uh, watching, and we'll see you next time. Thanks, guys. See ya. Bonsoir tout le monde. What he said. <laughs>